The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If I told you what, that, what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Curling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Harlan. Well, today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. Both, both of hearts, like, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Hello, Wexford! Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hurling Podcast. The Wexford Way Player Pathway is a systematic approach adopted by Wexford GAA to maximise player potential and increase the enjoyment of all our players. The purpose of the Player Pathway is to help guide coaches, managers, mentors and parents who play an active role in the development of our young players. We are joined by Wexford GAA Games Development Manager Ray Harris and current Wexford panellist and Games Promotion Officer Seamus Casey to discuss the document. Ben, you've had a look through the document yourself. Is the future of Wexford Hurling in good hands? Yeah, well, it looks like an excellent document to me. I suppose it's mainly now about getting everyone who's involved to implement it properly. Yeah, well, from talking to Ray and Seamus, it looks very good too and sounds good. And here they are. We'll start with you, Ray, since you're the big dog in the room, I suppose. Just for people who don't know, tell us. can you just tell us? I'd be called worse. <laughs> who you are and what is what is it exactly you do yeah so my name's Ray Harris um, I suppose a bit about my background I'm from Outers, um, so I played with Outer Tabalic, um up to uh, 28 I think and mostly intermediate small bit of senior and all seven or that but mostly intermediate and um, okay, I got involved in coaching then and involved in the strength and conditioning side of it uh, worked with Frank Fannery for a few years there and um, well, while I was working there, uh, kind of helping out Frank, my my career, I suppose, was taken off in a different direction. I I started out on the building sites, believe it or not. <laughs> Spent seven or eight years on the building sites, uh, laying, laying blocks and in a family-run business. And and lucky for me, the recession hit. Um, I always say this: that the recession was a bad thing for a lot of people. For me, it was a blessing. I I, I decided to upskill into an area that I was really interested in, and in exercise science. So went back to. Uh, college studied in Watford and from there kind of lucky enough to come out of college into a job in UCD and worked up in sports management up in, in UCD for uh, three or four years there looking after everything from facilities to sports camps to you name it I was kind of one of those people involved in everything up there and uh, led to another role came up in, in Trinity College in, in the other university and I went there for a year or so and always wanted to come back to Wexford I was living up there I was um involved a few teams up there, course inside of it, and but while I was involved in Outer, but always had an eye on coming home and bought a house in Outer, I was getting married and um luckily an opportunity came up to be involved in Wexford in coaching the games. They were expanding at the time and, and the games promotion officer role came up and I was fortunate enough to, to get to go ahead with it and and I worked as a games promotion officer for two years with referees and with the Harriers. 
So I worked um, in the role of shame to do at the moment where a lot of the week is spent in schools coaching, giving kids a love for the game, giving the kids a love for, for hurling, I suppose, and um, working with the club coaches, trying to upskill the coaches, um, kind of getting kids to the club first and make sure they stay there by having really good structures involved in both clubs. And um, yeah, from there, a role came up, the game's manager position came up. Um, I went for it and it came my way about uh, 18 months ago or 20 months ago. Um, so I currently game development manager and writer GA. I have, uh, the mothers, the ones, I think there's nine GPOs um, working with me, uh, two GDAs. So it's a busy office. It's a, it's a busy role. Yeah, so everything from coach education to the cool camps to informal coach education um, to the squads to, to everything, I suppose. It's, it's an overarching role. Um, I have the main responsibility, but luckily I have a really good team around me, so they make my life a lot easier than it could be for in a busy role like this. Do you do is like do you actually get to do much coaching or is much much of your work almost administration work? A bit of both, I suppose. I, like, I see myself as a coach first, so I still do a, a bit of coaching whenever I can. Um, I, I'd still be involved in some schools coaching, so I would have I'd, I'd, uh, done a small bit with Rector CBS, small bit with St. Peter's, which was really enjoyable. Um, I suppose I had an in into Peter's, Roy Jacobs in there, and, and he asked me to get involved, and I kind of offered as well at the same time. And It's a pity that um, with COVID, we didn't get to, to play many games. I, I was really enjoying the time in there with, with a good group of lads. They have a great team in there. Um, really good attitude and um, good structure in place but uh, most of my time will be management day to day in the office so it, it will be spent in the office but I do allow myself some time to, to let loose on, on the on the hurling field and get out and do a bit of coaching I think that's important for me and, and within the role it's important for me to be out and about as well so I, I do some of the coach ed stuff so I do foundation courses award ones um, I would visit some clubs as well if, if uh, to do some some workshops and um, so it's a bit of a hybrid role for me, um, where I, I do spend a lot of time in the office, but as much as I can, I get out and about and be seen underground coaching. Very good. And Seamus, you your main job is to be out underground coaching, yeah? Yeah, uh, I started in October there, just before Christmas. And you are you are based with the Martins, is it? I am based with the Martins and the Shells. Yeah, so they're my two clubs. Um, I mean schools Monday to. Thursday um, I'm studying as well so uh, doing a master's in strength and conditioning so I'm in schools Monday Thursday and then uh, mainly before Christmas I was in Martins on a Tuesday evening and the Shells on a Sunday morning then for club visits as well and you never think when you're coaching the Shells or the Martins that you shouldn't be coaching them because you're coaching the enemy um, at times um, I kind of look at it both ways kind of no, not that you don't want to be there, but uh, kind of coaching the enemy, but it's also kind of taking tips and tricks that can kind of get, that I bring back to the club here and kind of feed it into the club here to try and get back up to senior as well. So it's a bit of both, really. I'll get her then, we'll ask them more now in intermediate, so they're not the enemy just yet. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously would be, you say there in schools Monday to Thursday, and then you'd be, you're on the, senior inter-county panel playing yourself how do you deal with like you're con you're constantly it's constant ga 24 7 almost how do you deal with that um 
to be honest, it's, it's been constant GEA for the last maybe four or five years, kind of since I went to college. Um, I lived in sixth year, I was playing a bit of soccer as well, but again, once I went to college, I finished that. So um, it's not it's not anything new, but um, suppose the time when I have rest time, um, I kind of appreciate it more, uh, especially time with family and the turn, I like, kind of switching off is important. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's a sport I love. It's what I want to be doing, so I don't really find that much of a problem with it. Um, it's like it's just real. Tell you, it's so rewarding when you go into schools and over a period of three or four weeks, and you're developing developing a skill with a child, and you see the child get the hang of the skill after maybe three or four weeks, and the smile on their face, and they're wanting to come out, and they're actually wanting to stay on longer, or different things like that so it's I actually enjoy it at the same time you can kind of switch off from the act my own game my own training so it's kind of I don't have to focus on it the whole time kind of can switch between um work and training so it's 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 a healthy balance really and enjoyable at the moment obviously you're I would call you a natural a natural corner forward I suppose how do you find on a, and clearly the role of a corner forward, especially in a role in a David Fitz team, has, is a bit different from the traditional corner forward. How do you find the change in the way you would have grown up playing? It did take time to get used to it, Um But it, again, it's, it's enjoyable. It's kind of, it's improving uh, and upskilling myself. Um but yeah, as, as the game is kind of progressing, it's kind of you have to kind of progress with the game yourself or you're kind of going to be left behind. Um, as I said, kind of a, a year, two years, kind of getting up into adult level, it did take time to adjust to. And, and then with Davy as well, kind of adjust, adjusting to that, it, it's different because I was never in a setup anything near um, to the level or the game, the way that we play the game. But um, no, it's enjoyable. Um Club-wise, uh, I wouldn't be as big a fan playing in the corner. Um, you have cornerbacks pulling and slapping and dragging out you before the ball's even struck in. <laughs> and it's not a whole, There's not a whole lot of protection there, but um, I know it's, it's enjoyable. Like, like when I was younger, like, that didn't really happen. Um, it was just kind of get the ball in. It was different kind of hurling and just get the ball in, try and score. But as you go up to the up the ranks it's it, it gets different and enjoying the development and I'm sure it'll change by the time I finished as well hopefully you should take that as a compliment I think <laughs> I tried no, to, no yeah. cornerback ever dragged out of a bad corner forward <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you've dealt with that the whole way up along though have you um you would have been the key player on most of the teams that you've played with even even up to even in the colleges and and underage with Wexford uh, underage with Wexford, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have really been, uh, I wouldn't have been like a starter, um, really up until a kind of minor, and even that minor kind of was hit and miss both years to start one game, and you might not start the next game. Um, with school wise, it only really started when I was in fifth year, um, and it was only really when we played um, the local schools like Wexford CBS or Gory, um. Because we'd, we'd be playing them every year. So you kind of, and then as we go to minor with the club, 16s minor, 
21 and then adult with the club that's when I kind of really um really started and it's it does put you off all right but it's the best way I find to kind of nip it in the body is kind of get the next ball and either score or run at them and get them to foul you and just laugh at them then and <laughs> get them one up on them. I enjoy that part of the game is this your second or third year on the panel uh, it's going into my third year and you would be your third year in the panel, but you wouldn't necessarily have got much game time. I remember, you, I think you scored a goal, a winning goal, was it against Tipperary in your first year? I think, if I yeah, remember correctly. Indeed. Yeah, that was my first start. Um, yeah, in the league. Do you find it like not getting much game time? Do you find it difficult to motivate yourself and keep going? Um, at times it can be hard. Yeah, like I suppose everybody. Um, deals with setbacks and not getting game time and different things and it's but I find that it's actually more motivation um, you know kind of going to the next trend session next game and kind of pushing yourself more proving yourself better um, fair, I have family here at home that they kind of we, we're not let kind of feel sorry for ourselves it's get up on the horse again and push harder the next time is the way we kind of deal with it here and be honest it's probably a blessing for me um because i suppose if i didn't have that support i'd say i, I wouldn't be near it the panel if it wasn't pushing and um, things like that so it's it actually motivates me more um going forward for the next training and our next game and would there be specific things that davy or the other coaches in the extra panel would be telling you that you need to work on or that you need to improve on in order to get more opportunities yeah um, kind of from the first day, kind of Davy told me it was tackling. I feel I, ha- I have got better, but it's, it's not up to, it's not up, I know myself, it's not up to the standard of where it should be to play inter-county. I, I'm not that big. I'm, I'm fairly light and tackling, just growing up, tackling was never my game. Um, and saying that like, I, I enjoyed winning the dirty ball and that kind of thing, but just tackling, it just wasn't for me. I, I probably called a too too fancy hurler to be tackling probably what a lot of lads would have said to me when I was younger. Um, fancy Dan, as Buff Egan would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, tackling probably would be the main area, yeah. Um, as I said, I have feel I have improved with it, but it's just it's, it needs more uh, working on, yeah. It's uh, interesting because I think Paul Morris also told us that that's one thing that, that Davey really got got him to focus on as well was his tackling so I, I, he really does want his inside forwards to be able to tackle yeah uh, and kind of where the way the game has gone as well like especially the way we play it's you're not you're not just corner forward you could be corner back just as quick as that and you might have to stay there for four or five minutes and you have to be able to defend and block and tackle and so it's 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 really something that Davey has brought to our game especially in Wexford like with the squad and everything so um yeah hopefully going forward now it'll improve yeah dynamic like that everyone needs to be able to play everywhere and, and do everything exactly yeah when you mentioned there that everyone needs to play everywhere uh, ray was telling us that you're now the third choice goalkeeper is this true yeah i'm going in as third choice at the moment yeah um hopefully push to second and hopefully maybe even first by the end of the year how did this come about um, I kind of had a meeting with um, Keith Roster after the Clare game last year 
um, about a week or two after it, and we were just kind of discussing kind of the areas that I have to work on, and kind of then he just threw it out that Davy had been thinking about it for a while, and that Davy um, feels it could be a benefit to the club or to the team, um, as me being a goalie, and I just kind of just said to go home, kind of think about it, and let them know, and that's kind of where it came about. So where does that leave you now with um with training? Like where's your focus? Is the focus more on goal, more on outfield or um at the moment I'm focusing more on kind of goal keeping stuff. Um but I still do get one or two sessions in of kind of fitness wise and uh outfield kind of stuff done as well. But yeah, kind of the goal goalkeeping is kind of my main focus for the moment. Did you play in the goal much underage or what's the story there? Um, I played, when I was in TY, I played in goal for the senior team in the school. Um, they didn't have a goalkeeper, so uh, Jar Coleman was over both teams and he asked me would I would I mind playing and I said no. It was hurling at the end of the day, I didn't really mind. So, And then uh, Larry Coleman was the minor, minor manager um, for my two years. In my first year, we played... I, he asked me to go in and I played in the goal and it was going okay and kind of two bad games well two bad results kind of put a stop to that uh, we played Limerick down in Limerick I lay in I think three or four goals in the first 15 or 20 minutes and then we played Waterford about three weeks later and I think I let in could have been six or seven and I got a text then to say could you bring your outfield hurdle <laughs> 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 at the end of that yeah, no, my fa- my father played in the goal. Um, uh, I don't mind it. It's I don't really mind playing in any position as long as you're kind of playing. Um, is the way I, I kind of look at. It. We'd say, twenty eighteen is probably the year you kind of well, most, well, it's the year I I first noticed you. Didn't wouldn't have known who you were beforehand. Twenty eighteen, going one eleven against Galway in the Leinster final, and you personally probably had a great year. But how would you look back at? To the 2018 under 21 considering there was some great performances from the team and then we'll say a, a horrific performance yeah um, as you said personally it was it's probably the best year I've ever had hurling both with Wexford and with the club um, I was lucky to get on the team of the year with the under 21 that year um, with Rory O'Connor um, but yeah it was kind of was kind of an unknown going into it. Uh, even we played Dublin in the first round up in Dublin, and we hadn't really seen the senior lads for that long. Um, before I think it would could have been maybe two or three sessions before. So it was kind of an unknown. Um, going into it, got over that one, and then we kind of got the senior lads for a little bit more before the Galway game, and just the whole, the whole atmosphere, the whole squad, everything just stepped up, and we kind of. We had a belief within ourselves that um, we could we could put on a performance and hopefully win the Leinster final, but unfortunately in the end it wasn't to be. And then the Cork game, um, one of the games I suppose I probably want to forget, but when we look back on it again, Rory and Joe were kind of missing, them two got injured. Them, them all wreck had been pushed from corner back up to centre forward and it was just kind of, uh, I don't know what way to kind of look at it but again you have to look at Cork they had 
the likes of Darren Fitzgibbon, Mark Coleman, Timo Matney, they were an exceptional team as well. So it was kind of a bit of both. Um, had a good year, but just finished badly. They were, they were an incredible team. Yeah. Should should have won the All Ireland. Should have won the All Ireland. Uh, I think you you were t- you were second top scorer in the whole championship for that that in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I, I think I got. I think it was could have been nine or ten points against Dublin in the first round, one eleven against Galway in the last final. I think five or six points then against Cork in the semi or yeah the All Ireland semi final as well. Not bad going. And you were saying you 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 didn't really make it into the. Wexford teams until minor were you kind of a late bloomer then when it comes to your abilities or hard done by in, in some of the underage panels uh, possibly um, I was always there thereabouts but never quite got onto the first team it was always kind of the second team um, and then that came to minor um, I, I played I probably something that kind of put me back as well was I played football um, underage as well so it was kind of both of them and I played soccer as well county team as well so it was the three of them were kind of pulling from from each other so I didn't kind of give myself to one sport and, and then kind of when I got to minor um, first year minor it was still kind of the same and then second year minor I kind of forgot about the soccer and focused on hurling football um, then 21 my first year 21s I was actually playing soccer Um with extra jutes under 19s and finished up with them early in the season and kind of got into the under 21 panel then that year with JJ and then being with the 21s for the following two years and then the seniors after that. Are, are both your positions now, Ray and Seamus, with, with the uh, the develop, the games promotion, is, is it hurling and football for both of you or do you have focuses? No, it's it's a dual role. Um especially GPOs it would obviously I was with Pied Harriers it was, it was all hurling um, small bit of football with the referees but it, it's a dual role it, it depends on the clubs we, it's, the beauty of the GPO is that you're, you're working with the club the clubs actually pay part of the fee to have a GPO on the club they pay part of the wages so you, the, every club has a steering committee and what the steering committee wants you to do in, your, in their schools whether it's hurling or football whether they want to do it in blocks it, it's, a, it's a choice the club has so um, James would would if with the Martin of the Sheds or a dual club, obviously, so there will be points in the year where, where he will do football as well. Will you be okay with doing this football, James? Yeah, I don't mind doing football. Um, our family is a father's from the Duffery, so football would be something that we'd actually enjoy and we'd be fond of. And my brother next to me, he'd be more football as well. So I actually enjoy doing the football, and it's a bit of a break from the hurling at time as well. And Ray, as, as an Owlard man, how, how are you with the football? <laughs> and you'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> um, and we're getting football back into Owlard now too. Our 15 down, our playing football again. So, look, um, personally, I played football all up along. Um, and I played with some really good teams in Owlard. Um, two years above me, you'd like to Desmond and Rory and Keith, some of the top guys we've ever produced, Stephen Doyle. And two years below me, David Redmond, Garrett Sinnott, these lads. Um, top guys and we all played football all up along and um, we stopped then for some reason but it, it is coming back in now at goal games level we've been playing for a number of years uh, started increasing it under 13 then two years ago and they won 13 division 4 or whatever it was and they're in the under 13 division 2 final I think whenever we're allowed to play again and the 15s are playing now so football football is back in, back in outlet in, in a small way in, in the under in the underage anyway but 
but for for me, coaching is coaching. Um, a lot of the skills are transferable, so it was it was an easy an easy one for all of us. Uh, JJ Doyle does football. Uh, Barry Lacey is another outer man. He's a GPO down in 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 Barrington, and he took over for me the referee. So does football too. So all of us we we are dual, and um, again. The, we, we do take coaching as it is what it is there's a lot of transferable skills in it and and if the club wants us to do football we're there to do it Is it difficult to get into a school? Like do you have to if you say you're not in a school do you have to go in and bring your charm to the principal? Has happened yeah it has happened before now we're very lucky that a, a lot of our schools are, are open to to the coaching end of it um, I suppose the GPO, GPO scheme is, is relatively new it's maybe three or four years old now and and previous to that it was the community employment um caution that would have went on and you know for, for a lot of the schools and a lot of kids um the community employment coaches the coaches we call them the gpos and the gdas the kids don't know the difference we're all for coaches going in there they don't know whether we're full-time employees or, or part-time employees or what we are and the principals don't really either the schools so there's a there's a little bit of of the selling at the start in some schools but being totally honest, as soon as we get in and we start going and, and the, the school see how professional we are about what we do, there's never any issue. It's it's um the re- the reputation is there now, a really good reputation. And even through COVID, um, as soon as the schools were open, none of us got turned away. The schools are schools are mad keen on having us in. So come next week now, the schools are back open again, uh, all our coaches come back into the schools. So uh, we have policies and procedures in place around COVID, around um, how we coach, around how we sanitize equipment. Um, and some of those procedures will probably stay with us post-COVID because they work really well. Um, it works well for the school. It works well for us. And uh, yeah, so there's there's never really been too much difficulty. In, and if there was a very quick meeting, um, uh, explaining the role we do and what we can bring, like we we don't just bring hurling skills and football skills. We bring a whole lot more than that. We, we work on the fundamental movements with these kids. We work on a whole range of things that, that you wouldn't even realize. You know, their, their manual dexterity there. They're uh, hopping, skipping, jumping, whatever it is. Um, we do a lot of that stuff. And it's um, once the school see that, they see how professional we are. There's never really been an issue. What is the standard of coaching in the county right now? Is it on a good level? Um, I, I think um, something that, that I be, believe in what I see on the ground and what a coaching team in Rex would see is that coaching at, our, say, our goal games level are phenomenal. I think... Um, from under 11th down, we we have a serious amount of coaches who are up, who are upskilled in formal education, like the foundation course award ones. If we do a workshop, they're so well attended by coaches in this age grade, and and it's shown the standard is. And I'm, and again, I'm not just saying this, but I'd say from what we've seen underground, the standard of, of our goal games is phenomenal, and it's a credit to the work that's gone in over the years, and and the number of teams that are playing it, the number of players that are playing, and and the skill level of them right through the work we're doing in the primary schools to what's happening on the ground and on the Saturday and Sunday morning in, in the clubs, it's it's really high level and the skill level is there and something changes then. When it comes to youth, I suppose, um, the engagement with us is not the same. Uh, there, there is some really good volunteers out there. Um, really good, they're doing some really good work. Um, but in terms of coaching, I think I think we probably need to look at that area and say, right, can we target this area? Can we help the youth coaches out? And, we created a document to Wexford Way. It's it's almost for this purpose, really, to, for the youth coaches. They have, they have less time to give to upskilling, I suppose. They're busy people there. They're could be farmers, architects, whatever you name it, busy people who are coming to give up their time to come to the field with their with their youth teams. And we're we're trying to help it and make it easier for these guys to access what coaching is, you know. And um, when we do when we do workshops in the club, um, 
I won't name names of clubs or, or any posts or anything like that, but we, we did a few workshops and it's always put to us like, a, you know, if we're saying at, at under 15 level or 17 level, we need to train on the goals, but say a, a, a poker strategy, a defensive system. So what your team does when they don't have the ball, what your team do when they do have the ball. There's three simple things and what comes up a lot back at us, it would be, um, they have to be advanced for this age. You know, this, should, should our 15, should our 7 year olds be doing that? And, no, I, I, we believe it should be, you know, that that um, if we're looking for the player of the future, we call it like, uh, what does uh, what does a player look like for, for a club or county in five or ten years' time? Like the, the strands that we need to, to look at um, are probably technical, technically sound, technically efficient on both sides, um, really good technically in, in, in a game situation. They're tactically aware too. So I suppose if, if they are... When I say tactically aware, not getting too bogged down with sweep assistance and all the rest, but but is there any thought process put into our youth coaching in terms of, of tactical now? So have we introduced our players to tactics at at a young age? And and again, not like are we all playing sweep assistance, but are we are we tactically aware of what we're to do when our defenders hit the ball, what our forwards are to do? Um if we're playing the ball out of defense, are we tactically aware that we work on that in our training? Um we always say if you're playing straight 15, then train for that. No, that's still a tactic. So, but do your training. Is your training geared towards that? And if you are playing straight fifteen, or if you are, do you have a book strategy? All this kind of stuff is, is what we're trying to bring to the youth games. And um, yeah, so like overall, I think we are in a, a much better place than we used to be, coach ed wise and and coach assistant wise. But there is work to do. There's no doubt. There's work to do. And and um, in the squad system that we that we have at the moment, um, I think you guys probably came through. It's not that long ago, but um. We have our squad players on a Saturday morning uh, for an hour and a half max. It's only so much coaching we can do in that hour and a half. It's the clubs who have these players for triple that. They have them three times a week, probably. If we can get our club coaching up to the standard that nearly matches the squad standard, we call it. Or, and you know that, that I was saying that the rising tide brings all ships. Uh, that's what we're looking at. So if the club's standard of coaching is as good as, as it could be and as good as it probably should be, it makes our job a whole lot easier in the squads and and it makes it makes our job nearly less important when it comes to bringing players through to play for Wexford or play out for their club. So, um, so yeah, look, it, they're in a decent place, I suppose, what I'd say, but there is still work to do. And, and we, we're here to help those army volunteers and, and upskill them in any way we can. And, um, yeah, so I hope that answers your question, Ben. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, it's a passion of mine. And when I get talking on it, it's something that I, that I am passionate about. So I hope that answers your question. There's one particular thing now from Harlan. I assume it happens everywhere, but it's one particular thing that annoys me from playing. And I'm hoping we're doing some way to stamp it out. It's that when you get a ball on the pitch and you're, say you're in front of goal and there's no one marking you and you have a free shot to put it over the bar. And there'll be a fella 10 yards away in the corner flag being marked by someone and he'll be calling for the ball. How can we how can we stop these lads calling for the ball who are not in a position to receive it? I, I think that that's all part of it. Though. It's 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 education the players, you know, and I suppose if, if it's not coached that when the players in the best position to shoot, they shoot, that you don't call for the ball, you know, that's all part of coaching. It's what coaching is. It's it's making sure that when, again, I'd say it, when the ball is in our attack, when we have the ball, there's three things. When you have the ball, you don't have the ball, or it's in dispute, no one has a chance to go win it. So if we have our teams coached well enough that they know, right, when the ball's in the scoring zone, 
when we talk about scoring zone, that is a tactic again. When the ball's in the scoring zone, whoever has it, that's your shot. You know, it's part of the coaching process. And and the guys who are who's on the corner, someone marking tightly or not in a position to receive the ball, that should be that should be handled in training. So it doesn't happen in matches, but it definitely happens when I think we've all played the players like that who who like the ball, who like to be on the end product and 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 taking the score. But again, the answer to that is coaching and and working on on the training field. And do you ever think that maybe they just don't trust you to put it over the bar? Yeah, possibly, yeah. That's possibly. That was kind of me as a player, all right. I was kind of the, the feeder. But uh, possibly there probably is players on your team that you want as shooters. Uh, if you want to, like the shame is there. Shame to be a shooter for me. If I could work the ball, shame would be very confident that he that he takes a score for me. The challenge with that is when other, when other teams who are technically aware and they shut down Seamus, then it's up to the people to take their own score when it's on, you know. So that's that's the joy of, of analyzing games. That's you know, if, if I'm playing against Seamus there, I, I don't want him or Podge on the ball if you're playing out of gate. I want the other some of the other guys shooting and not say that they don't have capable shooters, but you really want to shut down their main threads. So that's that's the way I look at games now. It's like right, there's players that's that you can let shoot possibly or, or encourage to shoot and there's other players you don't want them on the ball in the scoring zone. So again it's all it's all happens on the training fields, you know. That that brings me into a a point where's the line between competitiveness and you know the winning mentality to having fun and you just you kind of touched on it like Seamus is a scorer you give it to Seamus to score but like what what age group do you tell do you stop telling or do you start telling people that it's about winning more so than you know oh no go have a go have, have a shot yeah look, I think that's this this it's a common question that comes up a lot with us in the question obviously and um, when we're on our, our meetings and calls, we'd probably be in dispute about this as well. Um, I think the, the main line that we'd have is that, look, winning is, is important to kids too. I suppose you, like, you come down to 13 and or you, from under 11 down, everyone plays every minute, sequel game time, uh, no county finals really, just um, end the year, blitz we call them, and everyone's happy. You come down to 13, 15 and 17, and, and it's a competition all of a sudden. It's a tournament, and they're there to be, to be won, and I'm not going to be on this podcast and tell everyone like under 13 and 15 and 17 is great it's all about enjoyment of course it is they should be enjoying it you should enjoy your, your hurling and all age groups all the way up to adults but when it comes to 13 we believe and I believe anyway and some of the staff would believe it some of my challenges but we think that there's games there that you should absolutely go to win there's there's championship games at under 13 15 and 17 and they're championship for a reason there's but that's only probably eight games you might take Eight games to win a championship, six, six group games or seven games, five group games, the semi final and the final. That's seven games where absolutely go win them. That's what championship is for. But you need 20 other games in that year. That's about development. Um, and that's where you go at the development side of it. So um, when we say it under 13, we speak about development. And generally at 13, you have someone who's could be center forward, could be big, could be running through and scoring four or five goals a game, and it's going to win you games. And it's absolutely brilliant. And Put under 15, the same player will do the same thing because he's strong, fast, and um, maybe even a combiner. Then come with the adults when you're playing against players who are just as strong, just as fast. It's where the struggle struggle might happen. And, and again, with my own experience, I was that big player when I was younger. I was tall and rangy and get the ball run with a pass to have Miden or someone on the corner and, and they normally score. But I came to adults then and, and all of a sudden running with the ball wasn't wasn't possible. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't doable, it wasn't as easy. So uh, we, we're suggesting now that in the development games, we're, we're talking about developmental leagues in Wexford where um, if, if you play that player, if you send it forward in your championship game, he's going to win him for you. Brilliant. 
But how about games where he plays corner forward, where he re- where he feels what it's like that only three or four balls come into him in a game. Same full centre back or full back, where you know you have to use the ball. You're not going to run the length of the pitch, but you have to work on your delivery. So we'd be saying to teams all along, whether you're 13, 15, 17, when it's competition, don't win them. But there's 20 other games a year where you can work on development. You can, you can, you can. It doesn't matter if you win or lose them. It's all about developing those games, and and that's what we're hoping. Uh, to bring out on Wexford going forward and um, we have a new coaching officer Tom Cousins now who we have a coaching committee in place looking at the youth games and it's something that we're, we're going to try and push through that started under 13 this year if it goes well we get to 15 next year where we would have developmental leagues where it's no finals it's purely just another game and it's a game where you can try these type of things out and it doesn't interfere with the games where you go to win so I hope that answers your question Gary that um, no it, it does it just the fact that there's there's so many games where it's not just all about winning. That's great because, yeah, I, I don't know where the line is. That's why I'm asking, where, where's the line between, you know, you're doing everything you can to win this, which could leave some poor lad not getting any game time who absolutely loves Harlan, as opposed to, look, it's about everyone being involved and everyone enjoying it. So, like, it sounds like a great solution to it. We, we hope so. We also, Gary, like it's, a, and it's going to depend on the clubs too. Like, um, and it's, it's kind of a mindset change that, and I, I think it, I think it, for me, it'll work because we still have the competition to win. And again, I'm the first one to say it. I like winning too. Uh, I don't like taking teams without the idea of winning. Like it's, there's no two ways about it, but winning shouldn't come at the detriment of, of player welfare or player development. So if we can have, as I say, six, seven games there, championship games, whether they're 13, 15, 17, that should be won. Give 20 other games that are all about development. Uh, and, and I think that's how we keep our players. If it's a developmental league that the, these players know they're going to play, if they're on a Sunday morning and, and the, jump, the, competition, the championship games are on the Tuesday night, then that's, everyone's getting game time that weekend. Uh, we're, we're hoping to push it out this year under 13 and, and expand, expand that. And if it goes as far as under 17 in the future, then, then we'll be thrilled. Yeah. So the player pathway that's been released in the last few weeks. How long has this been in development? The first conversation started uh, around this time last year, believe it or not, it was around the first lockdown. I suppose we, we kept ourselves as busy as we could be. Uh, obviously, we couldn't do our normal jobs. We couldn't be out and about in schools or in ring clubs, but uh, the GA were very good to us. And and we kind of, not that we had to justify our salaries, we wanted it. We wanted to be busy and... We, we were looking at what things that we could put in place now when we had the opportunity to put them in place and and for for it just came from an idea the Wexford way like we see player pathways out there and um, all the time but there there's probably there's probably a hundred of them you could think of that are player pathways but we wanted to do something slightly different so that's probably why it took the gear as well as um we we set up a subcommittee James Dunne who kind of led it one of our GPOs um. James worked in Dublin for a number of years, be well used to player development pathways and kind of took the lead on in fairness to him and pull in some of the other guys um, every now and again and, and worked on the document and put it away, would send it on to other stakeholders to have a look at to make sure we're, we're, we're on the right track with it. And um, we ended up with it coming January and, and this new lockdown, we said, right, let's finish this. Let's, let's get it out there. And um, the timing is good because the kids will be back in the pitch now in the next couple of weeks. So timing is good with it and and we're absolutely delighted with the document then what sets it apart for me is that yes it's age grade coaching age appropriate coaching from nursery up to minor but 
not none of these um none of the pathways that I've seen before have have the why in it and the how. So we we all see uh, games and and coaching tips and all the rest of what. Why are we actually doing this? So why are we why are we doing fundamental movements to seven seven eight year olds? Why are we working on um why why do um thirteen and fifteen year olds need twenty games a year? You know and and then how how do we actually deliver that? So how do we deliver fundamental movements at a young age? How do we deliver games for the players when you want to win at thirteen and fifteen? So for me that was a really important part of the document that we wanted to get in there and and highlight to everyone that. You can you you can read this document. You can get your drills. You can get your skills testing from it. But the main thing is why we're doing it and how we're doing it and creating awareness of that. And um, so yeah, we're delighted with the document and and so far the feedback has been really really good on us and we're we're hoping to do some workshops on it when we get back face to face coaching that everything will be geared back to the Wexford way and and create our own style and identity in the in the way we want to play. So I hope that answers your question, Gary. Is this yeah. the first such document that Wexford have had, or was there a different one in the past? It's it's the first document like this that we've had. Um, it's uh, there there has been similar enough documents, but not I wouldn't even call them similar. There has been other pair of pathways in place. A lot of clubs would have them, uh, their own version of, of the pair of pathway, which which it would be geared towards skills at each age grade. And um, but I think we're trying to get at that it's a bit more than than skills we're trying to develop here. If we're going to develop players to play for Wexford in future or play adult level with their club. It's a bit more than skills you need. It's the other strands as well. It's the it's the psychosocial. So are we building resilient players? Like uh, and this is all part of the document too, like that can you how players develop with, with setbacks. So James is a prime example there. James saying that he didn't make really make the squads up until minors so he had a bit of a rocky road. And and now he's involved in a, in a senior setup for this is his third year and so this is kind of what our pathway is looking at, not just the skill side of it, but the, but the other aspects of the game, the physical uh, development, the, the S&C, the athletic development at, at a youth age. So how do we how do we get athletic development into our coaching sessions? And, you know, th- and this is the thing, when they come back to talk about our coaches, they, it's hard enough to get coaches to, or hard for coaches to know what skills we should be doing with the kids, let alone knowing what athletic development we should be doing especially at, at youth level and, and, and how to build resilience. So all that stuff is in the document. Why we're doing this stuff is, and how it is to build resilience in players is to make them more athletic, make them more physically developed and make them better players um, in both hurling and football. So we never had a document like that in Wexford that's been, that's been publicly released and we, and we hung our hat on and said, this is the way we want our clubs to coach. This is the way we want our players to come through this pathway and we're hoping at the end of it that we'd have players who who are technically good, they're tactically good, they're physically developed, and their their psychosocial skills are there that they're they're able to deal with winning and losing. They're they're able to deal with setbacks along the way, and their and their robustness and their but they have some leadership qualities too. So that's the that's what sets our document apart from what's been there before. The fact that this document is publicly available was that was that up for discussion or anything, or is there any fears or worries that all the work that Wexford have put into this document and that you put into this document and your team that any other county can just go, oh, here, thanks. No, to be honest, uh, there was a small, look, it came up in conversation, but it, we were very adamant across the board that, that we're putting it out there and if other counties want to look at it and, and take what we're doing and, and deliver in their own counties, we're, we're, we're fine with that. It was, it's, I read it somewhere, I don't know whether it's the Allbacks or Lentz or someone was like, they don't hide anything, they put it out there because you know, 
you have to raise the standards. And if you if your if your competitors are raising their standards, you raise your standards as well. And competition is good. So things like things like this, no, we've no issue sharing that with everyone. And, and either way, it's how it's delivered on the ground, Gary. It's 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 just a document at the moment on on paper that they can download. Uh, the beauty of us is that we have a seriously good coaching staff and Wexford at the moment. Um, and the work they put into that document was phenomenal. And the work that they do delivering this document on the ground, I think that that'll set us apart from any, any other county if they, if they want to take it on. It's the quality we have in-house to deliver this document. And it's been received well by the clubs? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think um, I think the really positive feedback. I got a phone call from Hefo Walsh and the Grey Harriers, Hefo and... He was he was delighted really. He said that you know that the feedback was phenomenal from him and 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 it's such an easy document to read and, and it's something that he was mentioned that he loves to see driven in all the clubs and the feedback has been very positive so far. I think um nothing in the way of, of, of any negativity, it's all positive, it's all how how can we get back to the field now and deliver this and will you come in and do a workshop with us? It's all very, very positive. And, the next step is delivering the, the practical element of it and, and, and tying everything back to the rest of the way for the next number of years. And the clubs are, are, are aware that we're going to be doing that and, and they're up for having us. And, and the challenge we'll have is meeting those demands now is getting out to all the clubs as much as we can. So um, that's that's the next step of the document, but very well received so far. And, and it's, it is a credit, I have to say, it's a credit to the coaching staff. Like, uh, I'm aware I'm here talking about it, but most of our work went in from, from the coaching staff and it's important to say that then. We've, we've some really good staff and, and some of the documentation that they put together for we've a new initiative called Come On Everybody that, that uh, Al Monaghan and James Horner put together and that yeah, shame has noticed the gap in the market that kids come to Harland 365 say in first and second class and they haven't been to the club's nursery and, and they, they're holding the hurl in the wrong hand or they don't know which is their catching hand and mm-hmm. it's created a new initiative called Come On Everybody which is using the mini hurls um, really fun- that'll be launched it's launched properly in the next couple of weeks as well they filed it in schools we're putting resource packs together and it's a, it's a phenomenal document then and if that gets off uh, and schools take it on, on board then we'll have kids coming straight come to their club and nursery already knowing which hand is their hurling hand which hand is their ball hand and um, tie that in with the wexford way documents and and there's a couple of other documents we have a high performance group in wexford now as well that me and martin put together with alexa kieran daly and billy walsh and Fiona part and Declan brown i could name all on it i leave someone off but there's another kind of area we're looking at as a squad system and you know how, how we can be more inclusive in in that area so how, how we can widen our base do two more kids at 13 14 15 and uh, aim for having a squad of 17 year olds playing county minor at 17 and um, which will widen our base to go into 18 to 20 which will hopefully create more players who are skilled to play adults for our county and their clubs. And like, it's, it's a very exciting time to be involved in the Wexford at the moment. There's a lot of work going on, a lot of quality people involved and in giving their time to it, whether it's volunteers or full-time staff. And uh, we're working on, on a few different projects that hopefully this year we, we'll have them out there that, that could set us in on a really strong path for the future of Wexford GA. Obviously, it's a very strong document. I had a, a flick through it. The last couple of nights and there's great ideas for coaches but i think the main challenge would be one, one of the main challenges would be to actually make sure that the coaches in the clubs around the county are are using it like what 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 are the main challenges you see in getting everyone to to buy into the wexford way and to use it correctly yeah. i suppose yeah well, well that that's it exactly i think that the, the danger of this and the danger all along is that we don't want to create a document that's going to gather dust on the shelf that 
we, we, we want this to be implemented. And if you see the resource page on it when you download it, that's actually a live document that if you click on the YouTube page and that it brings you to the Wexford Coach in the Games YouTube page where all the physical development is on it, skill development, um, and it's going to be added and built on as time goes on. I think it's it's the work our GPOs will do in, in their clubs. The GP, we have GPOs, and I think it's 24 clubs at the moment, and that's half our clubs. The GPOs will have full access to the coaches in their clubs. We're, we're definitely going to drive it in those clubs, and the clubs that don't have GPO, we're going to really target those guys in, in, in workshops and regional workshops and upskilling of the coaches. The key would be for me to make sure that it's implemented is not just putting it out there and saying, off we go now, everyone, here's a document, um, take what you can out of it and go coach from it. The key will be working with these people on the ground and being in constant contact with them and, and being there for them in, in a supporting role and, and well, I'm showing them how to do the skills testing. So there's a skills testing part of it, which we feel is important. Um, there's a skills checklist as, as nursery age, but a skills testing as all the other ages. And if we can even get to the clubs and, and show these coaches how to implement the skill testing in, in amongst their, their sessions, then that would be a win for us. Um, if, if there's a Wexford way of warm-up to show how to do, how to do appropriate warm-ups with youth and minor level, we, we plan on doing workshops and show, show the coaches how to do those warm-ups. So everything that's in the document, we plan on really driving into clubs by physically being there on the ground and delivering workshops to upskill the coaches on. And if we, again, if we don't do that, it'll be a difficult ask for coaches to take this document and think that it's, it's going to run smoothly for them. We have to be seen on the ground and we have to be implementing this and linking everything back to the Wexford way. Were there any particular weaknesses that you had identified in the coaching in Wexford that you wanted to focus on for this? Um, because I suppose, like, I don't know if the weakness, but it's, 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 term, it's the terminology that, that I would call, it, I don't know whether I call it a weakness or not, but we, we spend time in the clubs and even in my own club and your own clubs, the first thing that they look for every year is a manager for our youth team. So manager of the minor team, manager of the 15th, manager of the 13th teams. If I could, if I could achieve anything going forward, it'd be changing that terminology to, to looking for a coach. So who's your minor coach? Who's your 15th coach? Who's your 13th coach? I think that my managers are important. Teams play as how they're coached and, um, I think I don't I, I wouldn't call it a weakness really, but it's something that I'd like to that this document puts attention to. Of course, it is a coaching document, and if we can draw more attention to what coaching is, um, to put to, for, to get clubs to put more attention onto what what coaching is and what it stands for, and, and not be afraid of, I suppose that to put an emphasis that the coach is probably the most important person that these kids are going to have in their life. They're going to spend a lot of time with them, um, and. A simple change of terminology from manager to coach, I believe, is key going forward. It could make a big difference. And um, I don't know whether this document is the answer to that, but I hope it creates enough awareness for coaching and, and creates enough awareness for coaches that there is help and support out there and to become a coach and, and step away from the, 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 I suppose, the management side of it and, and realize that coaching is the most important aspect for these kids. An area I see now as being a huge challenge is because of the change in age from minor where it's under 17 now all of a sudden an under 18 is expected to be expected to be a man basically what way can a, a, a say a minor who's just under 18 he's technically not a minor but what are the way we can develop him through without having to throw him into a real tough game yeah it's, it's, that makes it's, sense no it does make sense yeah and, and when you when you think about it some of these players um, who were born at the end of the year, they're, they're 
they're not 17 until December and, uh, and they're into an adult year. They're not 18 until the following December. It's a huge challenge. It, it is. There's no doubt about it. It's a huge challenge. I think that clubs are going to have to be aware of this challenge and, and, and so are probably counties as well in, in terms of having some sort of a competition there, whether it's under 19 or um, making the under 20 a little bit more, um, I suppose, friendly for for these players. It's it's a huge challenge. You have, we, we all know that it, it's um, a lot of 17-year-olds will struggle to make first teams in their clubs and might be playing second team in some clubs and might be playing third team in other clubs. It's a huge challenge. It's it's and it's a it's a real key developmental age. So you can come through your club, uh, playing all the way up along uh, in Premier, and then you get to eighteen, and and you're you might be hurling junior A, or junior B, whatever it is. I think it's important that the club has coaching structures in place for these for these not just these areas, but that they put an emphasis on coaching and not letting these kids at eighteen, just not even eighteen, seventeen, some of them, but they're they're out of underage. It's important that there's structures in place to allow those guys. To, to, I suppose, grow at their own development pace, not to be rushed into adults, not to be taking, uh, I suppose, their coaching, not, or to have coaching standards there as well, so that they have that little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of coaching put into them at 18, that it's not that you're on the third team and the standards of the third team is not the same as standards of the first team, that that the clubs are aware that these kids are going to need that bit of attention, that whether it's under 20s or under 19s, that there is something to aim for, something to play for, because, it, it is a, it's a worry that you know that kids will go at this age even up to do probably studying for their leaving cert there's a whole other aspects of, of life that could get in the way at this age anyway so our clubs have to be prepared for that and, and have good coaching in place whether it's the third team second team or first team softly introducing to maybe the senior training and um, if they're if they, the senior and intermediate club that is softly introducing to it that we don't expect them to to be fully on the team, but we integrate them in, in kind of like we're saying, the 13, 16, 17, that there's going to be championship games and they might not be ready to play championship games, but there might be other games there that, that you could go to develop and, and, and play them in those, introduce them softly to adult, adult hurling. And I think that's all we can do at the moment is, is take our time with the players, don't push them too hard, but don't also leave them off, leave them off too much either, that you find that balance between introduce them softly to adult hurling and not going too easy on them as well. It's a tricky one, but I think if clubs get that right, they're going to, they're going to see the benefits. If it's in the short term, two or three years on the road, they see the benefits of players ready to play first team for their club. Do you think that the under seventeen having an under seventeen as opposed to under eighteen is better, or would you prefer it the other way? Um, I don't know. I think for a development side of it, with my with my coach's hat on, I think it's probably it probably is better. Um. For development players, like you know, um, I think we, when it when it was eighteen, um, there's two ways. But as a development side, I think seventeen is probably better for development. But now we, we they come into our squad system, especially, and you you know you, you go to your your twenty first, so that's fourteen. You, you bring all your fourteen year olds. You go to the Arabon at fifteen. Now you bring all your fifteen year olds, sixteen to Celtic Challenge. You play all your sixteen year olds, and and at seventeen now, you know we should be aiming for a squad of seventeen year olds. Um, in, in the intercounty scene, when it's 18, uh, or because I believe 16 is too young, probably for county minor, unless there's an exceptional player who would be detrimental to them, you're holding them back, they're so good that we have to play and play under 17, then that's absolutely fine. But I think we should be aiming to, to bring through as many 17 year olds playing county minor as we possibly can. Similar in the club setting, I think for the developmental side of it, I, I actually do think 17 is good. Uh, but the, the, and they're the benefits of it, but the, 
the other side of it is that 18 to 19 is such a key age and we have to we have to do something with our 18 to 19 rows in in the county setting we have a rookie squad in place now i suppose where where we have players who are just a minor, not quite out of twenties. That we're, we're looking after those guys in terms of their training condition and trying to work with them, but it, it is difficult. But um, personal level, I think you would miss the all under eighteen. Uh, but as a developmental level, I think seventeen does work, as long as we have something in place for the eighteen, nineteen year olds. Do we? Uh, possibly not at the moment, but I do think it's something that's been looked at. It's definitely been identified by by Crow Park and other and, and all counties. I think it's definitely been identified. And coming down the line, I, I would expect something will come for these players. All right, yeah. It's it, but I, I don't have the answers to that, but I do know that it's definitely been identified, and I think we will see something in the short term coming down the line. When we're talking about that kind of age group, 17, 18 year olds, what what age does does your job finish at? Um, well, technically it would finish at 17, but, but it doesn't. You know, it's, uh, I suppose it could even be 16. In, in the previous, when it was under 18, I suppose 17 down would have been the remit a little bit of it with the 18. But um, look, it doesn't. It doesn't stop really. You know, I have an invested interest in, in schools and schools adult is, is our school senior hurdle is 19 and a half. So it, it doesn't stop at 17. It's, 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 all underage, really, I suppose, and and you know you'd, you'd be you'd be chatting to the managers of, of all the teams as much as you can, and and development for me is all the way up. So uh, trying to look after these players at 18, 19, and twenty just as just as much as the thirteen and fourteen year olds. So uh, I suppose technically, possibly seventeen down, but but in this role, you're you're invested. It's it's any of us who are in the GA know that it's it's you're invested, and it doesn't stop at any age. It doesn't stop at any age. Yeah, I'm just thinking like for, for when kids are getting to that age and as you said, they've got other things going on in their lives between leaving certs, college and drinking, I suppose, and stuff like that. Apart from getting them to listen to Mick Jacob from our last podcast, how would you get them to keep hurling? I think if, if, they, if they're enjoying their hurling, they keep hurling. If they have a good experience all the way up along in their club or in the squad system, and if it becomes part of their their lives, I suppose that's enjoyable. Then they'll want to stay Ireland. I think something that we can do better in in our clubs and in our county is is look after our, our players uh, outside of their Ireland um, and outside of their football. That we look at the at the person behind it. So how are they doing in school? Is there any support that we can offer in the club setting or or a, or a county squad setting that we can help with their school? Can we encourage them to go to college and and play if it's given? Um, or play Sigerson, whatever they want to play. Like it's, I, I think that we could definitely do a little bit more in terms of looking at the people behind the player, um, whether that's uh, the, the cliche stuff like the nutrition or, or the training condition side of it, and that's all well and good and part of it. But look at the, I firmly believe you need to look at the person too. Is there, is, do they need guidance? Um, do they, if they are struggling in any area that, that you have someone in the club or in, or in the county that they can go to and, and, and talk openly about and, and possibly have somewhere to guide them to, to get them the help that they need. I think that's something that that we, we probably miss a trick on that um, if player loses form at 15 or 16, uh, it could be due to a growth spurt, could be due to maturation, could be due to something at home or or anywhere else. But the first thing we do probably as coaches, and I'm probably as guilty as anyone is saying, oh, he's just not playing well, out of form. Um, leave him off for a couple of games or whatever it is, and maybe even drop out of the system. But we probably need to look at the person behind that and the reasons behind 
wider off form, you know, um, is there anything that we can do outside of coaching on the field that we can do to help these help these players? And that's something that that I think I'd like to do a little bit more of. And I think it's something that um, we can probably get into clubs and and clubs to take a little bit more of a keen interest in that area too. Yeah, it's an area that Willie Cleary, when he was on with us, talked a lot about not only developing the player, but the person as well and understanding the person and not uh, not just as a player but as somebody who has other things going on with them with their lives and whether it be college or whatever yeah willie would have been key to that so willie worked for this for two or three years and he definitely has a legacy there behind him because it, it's not that anyone needs convincing on this but willie was a big driver of it that um we look at those areas that outside of what we think is what, what our job is outside. Like we think of uh, the coaching office and think we're coaches, but we were far more than that. We've asked the players that, you know, GA coaching clubs, you've you seen more of the players and probably have more relationships with players than some of our family members have. And there's, an, and there's a responsibility with that. You know, yeah, you have to be able to look out for the signs. You have to be able to, to have a conversation with these kids and, and respect their feedback. I think, Sometimes we're not good at that. We're not good at asking for feedback and listening to the feedback. We might say, "Do you understand?" And before any answers, you move on. Um, I think it's important that that we we have coaches who understand the importance of feedback. Um, Michal Martin would have set up a youth forum. Um, Willie was there at the time as well. Uh, last year, just before, yeah, last year before COVID, and we're in Torquay from Buffers uh, Alley came and we got in uh, youths from schools in Wexford Town to a youth form and, and we asked them questions like this, you know, what do, what do players want? What do they, in terms of their, their coaching, in terms of their livelihood? And, and it was unanimous that they want a say. Um, young people want a say in their coaching. They want to, if, if the training isn't good, they want to be able to say that to the coach. They want to be able to say, well, you know, this isn't good. We need to change it up. And, you know, I, I'd welcome that as a coach. I think that's brilliant. That now, you're, now you're developing leaders. Now you're developing kids who want to who know what they want and they're not afraid to go and get it i think that if we can open up our minds to you know to being challenged because it's, and and because that's what the kids want they want to say and and that's not just about coaching they want to say in in, in everything you know they they're very clued in young people and you know if you go coach a, 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 say i coach in the peters or in the cbs and if your coaching isn't good you you will know about it. you know you know by their engagement in it so I think that's that's a key point, and and Willie would have been a big 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 harbor of that, where he would work with these kids in terms of their school work and set up, and um, make sure that they're they they've study time in their in their week, making sure that the the coaching is there, but that their study and their homework and their classes are well attended and representing them, themselves, they represent the school, they represent their clubs, they represent their county whenever they play for whatever team they play for, and he would have been a big advocate of that, and it's something that I hope to continue, and and the coaching staff hope to continue that the Willie's move back to schools. Yeah, well, if there's one thing that yourself and Willie have in common, it's from talking to both of you, is the, the, the passion you have for this definitely shines through. How do you deal with a player, a young player, we'll say maybe between 7 and 12 years old, that just doesn't like playing, but they're being forced to maybe? Is there, is there anything you can do? do you, if, if, if they just don't like it, can you tell them it's okay not to want to play? Yeah, there's another. Damien Quigley is one of our, our master students in Wexford, and, and I talked to Damien a good bit about this situation. That, um, that that's kind of the coach probably in, in that situation. Um, 
and I, I've done it as well. I've taken kids who are young as seven or eight, and, and um, you'd be in the field and the tractor would drive by, and the kid just stops playing and goes up to the tractor. And, you know, and, and for me, I, I think that's brilliant. And so what? You know, he's in, he, the kid's in the field, and he's with their friends, and they're enjoying it. Um, Damon had told me, even told me a story today that when he was, I think he was over under seven, and right, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but um, one of the young lads was, was had his heart turned up like it was a gun, and he was shooting the birds flying by in the air. So Damon started doing it with him. Just got down around in the middle of the game and started doing it with him, like and and the first thing is is to get over yourself as a coach. What is is what uh, one of ever coaches Al Mona would always say: get over yourself as a coach. And um, if the child is not enjoying it, doesn't want to be there. It's generally something to do with the coaching side of it. Maybe it's too serious uh, for that age bracket. I think you, you, you said the age grade seven and twelve. I think eleven and twelve is slightly different. I think for seven and eight year olds. You know, they might enjoy five minutes of your session and the other session, the other time they might just want, just want to chat with their friends. They might want to play cops and robbers. You, you don't know what they want to do. They might want to look at tractors, like I said, but that's okay. They're seven and eight years of age. Then to be seven or eight, they're in the field. They're having fun with their friends. And so be it. You know, I, I have no issue with that. I think when it comes to 11 and 12 year olds, if they're still not enjoying it, then maybe, maybe hurling a football is not for those kids. Maybe they have passion lies elsewhere and that's okay too. They still should have an enjoyable experience when they're in our care and, and when, when they're in their field with us. And if they make up their own decision as they get older, that, that GA is not for them, then so be it. But the main thing is that they have lasting impression of you as a coach, that you, you you never give out to them first, that you are always there for them, you're friendly with them, and you give them an enjoyable experience. I think that's all you can ask for as a coach, that it's not really what you teach these kids. It's not really what um, that they mightn't say, like... Uh, He's the best coach I've ever had, but he was definitely the most fun or whatever. You know, like I think you you two guys will probably do the same as me. If I asked you to think of two coaches or, or think of one coach, the best coach you ever had in terms of your, your club or county or whoever it is, the best coach you ever had, you remember him for the way he made you feel. You remember for for the fun you had more than you remember the skills that he taught you. And that's something that's really important for us that that we remember that we get over our own egos. We don't want these kids to remember us for being hard on them or remember us for, for driving something down their throats that they don't really like hurling skills that they're not really interested in. You know what? They still have a fun enjoyment time with us. And that's what that's what we're looking for. That, uh, that connection, like, you know, my experience with GPO would be just that. I coached 800 kids in a school of the week. And I'd say I remember most of their names still, you know, because it was an enjoyable experience. They come to the cool camps in Wexford Town and, 200 kids there, I'd be, I'd be leading it. And even now, if I'm in around Wexford Park at, at school camps and the kids come in, they all remember me. And um, I'd like to think they remember me because I was fun with them. I gave them a good experience and not because I taught them, not just because I taught them how to roll the ball and strike. You know, I think that's all part of it. Very good. What are you looking for in players for the future? Looking for players for the future. And um, for me, I'm looking for well-coached players. And <laughs> I think they're looking for players who have been exposed to the technical side of the game. I think I said it earlier, they're being exposed to the technical side, like so extremely good at the skills of the game, left and right, um, able to do those skills in a match situation. Tactically, they're aware. Uh, they're able to exploit space. They're able to narrow down space with opposition. They're able to manage the game throughout. Um, you're looking for physically well-developed players, players who have come through a system of on, within our within our clubs and our squads where they're efficient movers, you could call them, efficient movers, they're robust, they're, they're uh, able to manage the physical demands of our game, strong, powerful, fast, agile, all the rest of it. And, 
And I've tried it after, and you look for that player who is a leader, you know, that, that psychosocial um, skills are there, they're relentless, they, they're focused, they're driven, they're good at school, they're good at they have career focus there. They're all of the above, and um, those four pillars are, are going to be key, and it's what, it's what I'd love to, if I look for a player in four or five years' time, I want players who come through a system with us and a system with their club that allows them to grow in those areas and, and I'm very aware I'm saying these words and they sound lovely they're going to mean nothing unless the coach on the ground take them on and have an understanding of what it is to, to develop a team of players and develop players um, using those those pillars I suppose the, the technical the tactical the physical and the psychosocial and, and sometimes sometimes players might come through skill wise they're phenomenal uh, struggling physically or vice versa physically they're phenomenal but tactically they're not really aware um, because they weren't exposed to the different age, ranges of tactics coming up through the system. So for me, if I look, if, if I could stand back in five, ten years' time and, and think that in this role I've been a success and, and the post office has been a success and, and clubs are a success, then we're developing players who are who are physically capable, their their leadership qualities are there, they're technically sound and they're tactically aware. That's that's what I'm looking for, Ben. How do we guess Say we have talented players or whatever. How do we get everyone, all stakeholders like county coaches, the school, the club, the parents, cousins, friends? How do we get everyone to work together to try develop the player to the optimal? Yeah, this is the, the tricky part, I suppose. This is the having words on paper is the easy part, but actually bringing it back and looking at the player first is the only way we can do that. So, um, no one knows these players. Um, when when we look at these these players and, and they represent their club, their school, their county, um, in probably numerous games, um, football, hurling. So you could have kids playing for five, six different teams, and no one owns that child. So it's important that communication is there between all stakeholders. That if if uh, if the school season is on and they're, and they're playing for their schools, then when it comes to the squads on a Saturday morning, that we, we're aware of that and we look after that that player on a Saturday morning to make sure that they're well that they're okay to play for their schools following week same when the club season's on that we're in we're in touch with the clubs that we are we're communicating what we're trying to do with these players and that the clubs are aware of it and essentially what's going to come down is putting the player first that um we put coaching structures in place that that allow the player to go no matter whether they're with the club the county or with the with the schools and um, it's a huge challenge there's no point in saying it's not um, and it's a challenge there for good reasons if you're playing for this for your school your school wants to win if you're playing for your club, your club wants to win. If you're playing for your squad, the squad wants to win too. I think it, I think I said it earlier, and, and it's stand by it. It's, it's the mindset that probably needs to change. That we put these players first. That their their development is key, um, and you can do that by still going to win. It's just a matter of communication. It's a matter of of having that, I suppose, centralized data. Even the, the shows this player has, has played on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and a Friday with the club. So come to us on a Saturday morning, then. We're aware of that, and 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 we make sure that this player took that on Saturday, whether it's a recovery session or a light session or whatever it is, we can give them or or leave them off altogether for their own mental freshness. Then we have that communication between all stakeholders to allow for this player to to develop and allow for them to not be overused, allow them not to be pulled from pillar to post, and just allow them to enjoy their games. But then, when you go around to the clubs, or you observe a session, what do you think are the main mistakes that a coach would make 
they made mistakes. See, I, I don't know whether mistakes is the right word because I, I'd always look at a session and no matter what's happening, I think just learning in it. So no matter how good or how bad it is or um, no matter what's happening, I think just always learning lessons we have. Like I think that if I could say one thing I know is that we're, we're very, we're not great at critiquing ourselves. So when we speak to coaches, we do a debrief for coaches that we're not great at, at saying how good we are and and we're always focusing on the negative. So if we if we if I want to do a session in, in the club as part of my role and we meet the coaches afterwards and we ask them, how did that go for you? Um, you know, how what would you do different or anything like that? It's always the negative to the point. Or, oh, like I I get out to the child there or I, I did this X, Y, and Z. And it's it's um very negative i suppose very negative words coaches should be positive like if someone asked me that question i'd say i'd start off with a positive myself and say geez i thought it went really well um you know i, I wanted to work on on transition play and, and, I, and i nailed that you know and then i'd maybe say maybe say well look at at the end of transition play i wanted the shot but i didn't work that into the session but then go back to the positive again i think if i could change anything is the mindset of coaching that we are we big ourselves up a little bit more that when you're asked the question and or whether when the coaching office staff are out coach with you on the ground, don't be don't be intimidated by it. You know, pick yourself up, say what you say what you 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 wanted to deliver and that you delivered it and, and have areas to improve on the next day. I think no matter what level you're coaching at, um, whether you're really theory or whether you're just up on the road, I think there should be always learning outcomes of your sessions. There should be always positives from it and always but also always areas to improve. So I wouldn't call it a negative suspend, but I think it's an area that we could work on that that we know what we're doing under that we know what session we want to achieve and then we would critique ourselves after whether we achieved it or not. And if we didn't, then so be it, we'll improve for the next day. Does this does does this work with does the Wexford way, the player pathway, does it work with Harleen 365 or does it take its place or what way does it work with? No, it works alongside it, it works along Harlan alongside Hurland 365, I think that uh, to come on everybody, the new initiative I mentioned earlier, we'll kind of look at the uh, work side by side with Hurland 365 where that looks after the junior end of the school. Hurland 365 will kick in then from first class on. Um, the Wexford Way document is kind of aimed at when the kids come to the club. So while uh, Hurland 365, come on everybody, is the introduction to it in the school area. So when the kids come to our club, then we, we take it on to a whole new level in terms of our coach. And that's where the document, the Wexford Way should come in. But it doesn't take its place. It's, it's definitely working alongside. If a coach came to you over an under fourteen team or under over team underage team in the club, and he asked for a bit of advice, what would be the main bits of advice that you would give to him or her? To download the Wexford Way, Ben, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To come to Wexford Way and and, and look at us in the great detail and. I think the the main piece of advice I, I would I give to the coaches at any age is planning and give yourself time to plan and prepare and review. The three things really is, is plan, prepare, and review. I think um, if any coach that does that, whether they're a novice or whether they're they're the novice or whether they're experienced coach, I think that you have to plan your sessions. I think if you go down to the field and, and trainings at half seven and you rock up at half seven and you're not sure what you're going to do. Kids are very aware nowadays, no matter what age, but they, they know they know that, that it's, it's thrown together and they'll feed off that and the training session won't generally go the way you want it to go or the way you think it should go. I think any coach should be planning their sessions. There's numerous resources, not just the Wexford Way document, there's several resources online that you can find to, to plan your sessions with. 
but the review is probably more important that you sit back at the end of your session you say right how did that go and if it didn't go great so be it it's not the end of the world there's be another training session two days later that you can work on that area so my advice would be plan your sessions and review them afterwards i think that's the only way anyone can improve um, something that i i do all the time every day i'm in work nearly i i have a plan for the next day and i always review that that the next day did i hit what i wanted to hit today did, did i do the job i was supposed to do today did i get sidetracked then did i deliver and that's something that i i, I probably bring to my data that i learned from coaching and if if coaches were able to do that and got in the habit of, of planning preparing and reviewing i think you'd see vast improvements in coaches and and did realize there's nothing to be scared of that it's everyone everyone plans everyone makes mistakes and everyone reviews and they change so i think when it comes to personally every when you think of coaching i'd say i've made every mistake that a coach can make i think with you if he was on the call would probably say the same thing we all make mistakes but it's the review process and make sure we don't make those mistakes again is where you get your learning from who would have been your inspirations for in, in coaching and or who would you look up to in the field of coaching and it doesn't have to be hurling it can be just in general I think um, I was very fortunate. I came up through through Alderton and I'd meet Jacob. Um, I was in, in, in between age, so I'd meet all the way along. Um, with, but I was probably two years younger on his team, so Des and Rory and the boys were always the two years above me. And they, I, when it came to my age, I had Brendan O'Connor and Martin Story, and I was probably in a really good position where I got two, two schools of coaching um, coming up along. Mick was phenomenal. The energy and work rate that Mick put into us as, as kids and the working on the skills and the skills and the skills that we worked on the skills that we were able to do the skills in our sleep. Um, you've rarely seen a hurler that can't throw a Mick that couldn't hit the ball on both sides because we worked on that constantly. And, you know, we still laugh. We talk some of the, some of the lads we were talking and like there was, there was genuinely nights where training at six o'clock that we were there praying Mick didn't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the, and I mean that in a good way. They were just say, "Oh my God, he's here! Here we go again!" And it's pure, like fear in a good way, you know. And <laughs> um, and then it kind of came to Martin. Martin's a different kind of Martin's always a different, different personality, different mentality, but still an excellent coach. And um, for us underage, really, and Brendan O'Connor too. Like we got loads of, like we were looked after so well from those guys. Eh? Like you know, they they put us first. Then and they Mick did too, and, and Brendan and Mark took it over. They put us first. They everything that they did was geared towards us as players, and you know, tips and tricks along the way. That that whereas Mick was all about skills focused, tips and tricks I would have got off Martin and and Brendan were they were just almost like they tricked you into playing well almost. Like I remember mm-hmm. funny story, I remember playing the juvenile final against Stephen Nolan, the centre back for the Harriers, phenomenal hurler for the Harriers, a big strong fella. And, they beat us in the league stage up in Outer. And I remember Brendan came up to me in the restroom before the county fight and I said, Now, now, horse, they call me horse. Like, and he goes, um, This fella bullied you up in Outer, like, in front of everyone. He absolutely bullied you. Your father was as not out gone. <laughs> all right, where's this gone? He goes, Well, he bullied you off the park and he hurled you up a stick and all this stuff. And, you know, and he just said, I, I live with you now. What's going to happen today? And I went out and I had nothing in my mind other than not being bullied. Like, you know, it was just pure <laughs> trick. That he did, and, and we ended up winning that game, and, and it was a huge turnaround. But little tri- tips and tricks like that from, from Brendan and Martin, and and the skills coding from Mick were were they were just great guys to work with. And, and as I became an adult, then the real interesting coach, and and he probably doesn't even know us, and um, 
But uh, we have Kevin Ryan and Eulert in 07. And Kevin, first real adult coach put anything into me anyway. And, and I, I was never fit. I was genuinely never fit. And then Kevin came around and, and geez, I, I lost weight. I could be a weight. And I, I started getting fit and get, he was the first one to proper warm ups, you know, proper um, tactics, I suppose you could call it at, at the time. And he gave me a real keen interest in coaching and I was, I was kind of fascinated by it really to be honest and I was in the, in the panel in 07 when we won the county title and um, he was just he set the he set the tone for me as a ballot that coaching is a thing that you can do and, and you can you can work on and um, I went back to college to study sports science and it's partly because Jerry Fitzpatrick was up and out with Kevin Ryan and set the, the ball in motion for me I just I, I doubt they know that I've never said it to him but they were they were they were definitely um, made an impression on me and and, and allowed me to put time into my or an interest in my course and to, to read up about it and and um and see if it's an area I wanted it to go down. And then very, very fortunate to have met a guy called Frank Flannery and um, came up to Eulert in in 15 and and the I suppose it was a real sliding doors moment moment where I was just out of college working in UCD and Sport MC gave me a call up there and asked me would I have any interest in meeting them and and getting involved in, in training the senior team kind of in an SSC capacity. And um should I I said yeah at the time but when it when when I hung up the phone I was kind of I, I almost doubted myself I said geez am I am I the right person for this you know um, I'm fresh out of college I'm green as grass I'm uh, you know and then I kind of come to I've always kind of backed myself so I said you know what I give it a go and, and met Frank and and we just hit it off straight away and we're still friends to this day and we'll always be friends you know we build up a friendship more than more than coaching partners and, and frank trusted me through the snc side of it and gradually getting involved in the, in the hurling side of it as well and built up a really good relationship with, with himself and the players and and i kind of i probably learned more off off of frank in terms of active coaching than than any other any other coach i've ever had throughout the way there's other two people in interest i think bring it to, to the level I'm at today and I probably wouldn't be in the position I'm at today if that sliding doors moment hadn't happened if I hadn't said yes to support MC and I hadn't got involved in Eulert not sure I'd be where I am today to be honest because he's a he's a great sounding board for me and and, and a phenomenal coach he, he brought Eulert to a whole new level that they've never been to before and um, it's uh, I think if you talk to the players they, they'll back me on that too Well you're not the first to big up Frank Fennery no, he's, a, he's a top guy. He's, a, he's a, the energy enthusiasm that Frank brings to the team. And like Frank used to drive three hours to live in Kentucky and he used to drive the phone to three hours to come up and drain hours and, and drive home. And most nights, those three hours, I was spent on the phone to him. Um, on the way, again, like I was saying earlier, uh, critiquing the session. How did it go? What could we do better the next day? Um, really taught me so many lessons in, in how to deal with players and, and how to put it to your coaching. And, um, even the Wexford way, I know he's down the car, but I sent it on to him for some feedback as well. And and he would, he'd give us no, no doubt so. So he's, he's a great guy. What kind of aspirations do you have after this? Do you have management roles in your line of sight, club uh, or county? Probably not, to be honest. Um, probably not. I think I, think I want to, I'm, a, I'm an Owlert man, true and true. And I kind of want to be buried in Owlert, if I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, whether that's there. Whether that's helping out with the underage, whether that's a, I was a coaching officer there for a number of years, whether that's helping out any team underage, uh, my uncles will probably be starting in the nursery soon. I have a little one, three and a half, and son at the moment, young lad as well. So I think I see myself getting involved with those guys, um, kind of help with the structures in Ireland and the structures in Wexford. Um, genuinely, I don't, 
don't have too much aspirations of getting involved in, in, in other clubs or other counties. I'd never say never. I wouldn't rule it out, but it would have to be a for me, it would have to be a special project. It would have to be it would have to be the right time, it would have to be the right players, and and, and that's that's a difficult ask. It's a difficult thing to get. So uh, my aspirations genuinely are are Wexford at the moment in this role and if further down the line I can get involved in outer time not saying train the team but train the team for four years there and see them I'm actually trained to promote the team now the last two years and it's going it's going good like you know we've, we've won a few county titles I've, I trained the team the one Leinster the, the men and it's it's brilliant but I'm not saying I, I'd ever I've done that now I don't know if I'd want to do it again because there's pressure with that yeah. especially when you're from around here First thing that people look at when you lose is fitness side of it. It's, Mick even said it. The, the current team, not fit, not you know, they need they need months of running. And it's like I just laughed at that. I go like I just laughed and said, you know, no matter who is training a team, whether it's your own club or not, um, there's going to be a group who are super fit. There's going to be a middle group who are fit enough, and there's going to be a back group who are not fit. You're not going to have them all at the same level of fitness. We got like. Some players are just not naturally as fit as others, and, and uh, that's that's in Aspenmore, it's in Ferns, it's in Elder, it's, it's it's in every club, and it's I just I did a giggle and mixed with that because there's no doubt when I was training that Elder team, if we lost the game, fitness was the problem. You know that's that's just the way it is, and so in terms of the fitness side of it, I don't think I've aspirations to be involved in in, in the adults in Elder in that in that capacity, in the full time role. In terms of management, I don't really see myself as a manager. Uh, did a bit with the intermediates one year. Got feathered actually beat us in the in a intermediate A semi final, and I missed that match. My my daughter was born, so I was in the labour ward at the time. And feathered went three years without losing the game. Nearly did. Uh, we probably could have beat them that day, and they went into one intermediate A, one intermediate next, and now they're established senior team. So that was the one year I was the manager, and it was a tough year. I think if I'm going to be my aspirations or anything is the coaching side of it, where I let someone else manage it and and. And, and I'll coach whether that's senior team out or intermediate, junior or minor, 15th. I, I don't really care. I just want to be, I just want to be involved in outer. Now, I don't, you're not to get offended by this, Ray, now, but we're going to um, ask Seamus the quick fire questions. So, Seamus, who's the best player you've ever played with? Probably Connor Mack, I would say. Um, for skill wise, definitely Connor Mack is. Uh, Podge Dorn as well as another one. Jeez, kind of blessed with followers beside me, really. Um, but I, I, I probably the best overall I've played with under twenty one, played with senior is uh, Rory O'Connor by far. Um, I think Rory just has everything you need to be a top hurler. Um, his skill, his pace, everything. He has that bit of uh, bite in him as well, which is. Um, is needed to be at the top of top of the game as well. So yeah, Rory Connor's best hurler I've played with. You you were trying to emulate Connor Max the the their Samba under twenty goal under twenty one yeah. goal, uh for the colleges was it with Carlo? That actually wasn't even me. Um, it was Rory. Wasn't that? No, it was Rory. <laughs> Rory. Uh, Rory didn't start that game and he came on and he scored. I think he scored two three and set up two goals in the space of ten or fifteen minutes. And he, he was the one who set up Blanchfield for that goal. Yeah, it was Rory. Or, yeah, it was oh, you Rory. Should, yeah. You, sh- you shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> yeah, I got the praise for that. You, you did score one seven yourself, I think, though, did you? Something in around that, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Uh, keep, keep that assist as well. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> who's the who's the tough, toughest player you've ever had to mark? Oh, easy. On my life from Gory. 
of me and Owen have, uh, I think Owen is a year or two younger than me we marked each other now for between school and club um, it just it never gets any easier um, Owen and will be a nine before the ball is even thrown in so he, he's who you were talking about earlier is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah me and Owen have had some good battles now um, and even when Owen was in with the senior panel kind of training wise as well Kind of nearly the last person you want to uh, see coming towards you to mark. Um, I know Owen is good, like he's good hurl, well able to hurl, um, very tough, very good at tackle, very good stopping his man. And um, yeah, we've had some good battles. Owen is very, very tough marker. And what type of hurl do you use? Uh, Albert Randall. If you were to pick one player to go to war with, who would it be? Shane Rick. Um, me and Shane are the same age. We're probably best friends who get on really well played hurling with club county and college the whole way up along and just there's no go back in him he, again he's another one from training uh, marking him it's just absolutely horrible he's so fit so strong uh, well able to hurl as well so and he'd back you back you 100% Shane is definitely someone I go to war with we get some lads and we ask the question, the toughest player you've ever had to mark and they don't want to give any current player any credit whatsoever. <laughs> you are perfectly happy. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best inter-county goal you've ever seen? Probably the one that the Samba Hurland that uh, dinner 20s scored that year. Um, I think there was three or four of them involved. Mac, Kev Foley and Dunbar finishing it. Um, Probably just the reason for me, it's that's the kind of way I like to hurl. That's kind of just unexpected kind of tricks, flicks, more so than the tackling and that kind of front of it. But yeah, it was something different. Um, it's not something you see every every day. So yeah, probably favorite goal. We'd have to give uh, Owen Conroy, friend of the pods, a bit of credit too for lumping it from the back forward. Clearing it. <laughs> Matt Johanlon trying to buy himself a bit of space, a point for Matt Johanlon. It's not here, it's in the net, it's in the net, it's in the net, the ball is in the net, it's a goal for Wexford, it's in the net. Thanks again to Ray and Seamus for joining us. Just to let everyone know, you can download the document for the player pathway from the Wexford GA website. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it as he's, he was applying for a loan from the Unescorted Credit Union. He plans to buy an engagement ring. So thanks to them for looking after him with that. You excited about that guy? Oh, very excited. Uh, nothing like a good club wedding. Hopefully this lucky lady says yes, though. I believe. Good stuff. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. In the meantime, take care. Tell your friends. Thank you to people of Wexford who stuck with us through a ticket tape. Hello, Wexford!